I guess in this day and age, succession planning is a big part of business. People constantly are talking about how they can plan for the next leaders and who's going to take over a business or something like that. And it's a very focused area of um, development and training now so that you are ready, so that sort of suddenly someone else doesn't go and then, oh, who are we going to get now? And so succession planning is really important. And... um, I think this, in some ways, is what this story is about. It's about who is going to be next after this amazing man, Elijah, who had so much power because of God's spirit in him. Who was going to take over after him? Who was going to be able to do what Elijah had done? But it actually isn't about what Elijah had done, but what about what God had done through Elijah. And so it really is about who was going to succeed, who was going to be the person who would allow God's spirit to dwell in him in such a way that he could continue at work in that person what he had been doing in Elijah. I guess it's like passing the baton. And um, I think that it seems a simple enough thing, doesn't it, for me to say, here we are, Jared, you've got the baton, and you pass it. But is it as simple as what it seems? So perhaps passing the baton isn't as easy as what it seems. And people who are relay runners, they train hard and they practice and practice and practice that baton passing so they can do it. But even, it's it's amazing when you look at um, Olympic history, how many teams who should have been the winners drop the baton. And I thought about that and I thought about what this story is about and about us and I thought, you know, we're in an age where the baton is being passed and God looks at us and we should be the winners. We should be the ones that can take it on and go forward and be confident in this. Yet how many times do we miss it? How many times do we drop what God has given to us and we fail to run forward and take on what he has for us? Well, Elisha didn't want that to happen. And so what he did to be able to ensure that he would not drop the baton, that he would take it forward in the best way possible, is that he said, if I'm going to go forward with this, I need a double portion, a double portion of the Spirit of God in me, the Spirit that Elijah had. And what sort of spirit was this? This was a spirit of faith. Because if you look at the stories of Elijah, I haven't got time to go into all of them this morning, but you'll see that that Elijah trusted God even when humanly there was no reason for that. Elijah trusted God and believed that God was in control of every situation. The second thing he had was a spirit of obedience. When God said go, he went. He did what God said even if it didn't make sense to him. And the third thing he had was a spirit of courage. His faith and obedience combined to enable him to go forward and stand for God when others ran away. I'll just tell you briefly one story about Elijah that would help you to put all those things together. There were the prophets of Baal and they were challenging Elijah's God and they were on the mountain. And so... The faith part comes in where Elijah says, well, you, let's put up our, our, on our altars our offerings and we'll offer them before God. And he said, I believe that, that mine will be burnt up and yours won't be. And so the Baal 
prophets got up there and they're preparing there and he trusted God. God told him to do this. Now, it could seem, this is without any match or without anything. God himself was gonna come and just light the fire, light the offering, bring it, you know, burn up the offering. So it, it would take some faith to state that in front of someone, to believe that God would do what, he, what had, he'd told Elijah to do. And not only that, God also told Elijah, that's not enough. I want you to cover the whole offering with water, like pour water all over it, put in the moat everywhere, pour water all over it. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? Because how is fire when something's wet? We know if you've been camping, I haven't. But if you have been, (laughs) then you know that um, if wood is wet, then I'm told this, if wood is wet, then it's hard to light, light the wood. Is that right? For those of you who are campers or um, people love making fires. So we need dry wood, we, we need that. And yet God said to Elijah, make the wood as wet as you can possibly make it so that it, you know, it will show that I'm, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna light that. And so Elijah said, does this, he's obedient. Does it make sense? Not at all, but he's obedient. He had the courage to stand against these 400 prophets of Baal and he stood there in the knowledge of who God is and he stood and he was faithful, he was obedient, he had the courage because he knew how great God is, how strong and powerful he is. And so that's the spirit that was in Elijah and of course the story goes on to say that absolutely, you know, this fire, not just the the, just the offering was consumed, the whole altar, everything was consumed because of the power of God at work. And so this is the spirit that Elisha wanted. We're starting a series and this series is called, This is Our God. I want us to remember and to remind ourselves all the time how great God is. This God I'm talking about is our God, yours and mine. He is incredible and we must never forget that. We must never get complacent thinking that God is within the limits of our humanity. He's not. He's beyond that, beyond what we can even ask or imagine. He's beyond our minds because he's infinite. This is our God. It says in the word Hebrews 13, 8, that he is the same yesterday, today and forever. This is our God, the God of Elijah. The God that did that is the God today. He is our God today. And so as Elisha comes and says, so if I'm gonna do what God wants me to do, I need not just the spirit of Elijah, I actually need a double portion. Now, when we think about double portions, I think about food. And I think about things like the slices that Denise makes that are just unbelievable that she's brought in every day this week to school and raising money for a good purpose. But I wanted to have not just one or I wanted to have probably a quadruple portion. (laughs) And um, I don't need any portion. And so therefore, he was asking for a double portion. So in our minds, in some ways, when we talk about double portion, we probably think it's a little bit greedy to want double what everyone else is having. It may even seem a little selfish to want more for yourself. But you know, when Elisha's asking for this, when he's asking for a double portion, he's not asking for twice the glory and twice the power. He's asking for a demonstration of the Spirit of God that is so powerful beyond even what was demonstrated in Elijah. Not for himself, but for the purpose of God's kingdom. In fact, what he was asking for is quite humble. 
because he's actually saying, you know, I can't do this. I cannot do what you are calling me to do, God. I need you. And I need more of you than what I've even seen at work in Elijah. I need you if I'm going to deliver the word of God and do the work of God as you are calling me to. He realises it's a power that not of himself that is needed. He can't possibly do it. And so he wasn't asking for control. He wasn't asking for wealth. He wasn't asking for position. What he was actually asking was to be controlled by the Spirit of God. He was asking for divine power to accomplish the will of God. It was not about pride. It was about necessity. He needed God. Because he was going to carry the baton during the reigns of kings Omri and Ahab. And this was a very, very dangerous period in the history of Israel. And so, Elisha asked this request that the same spirit, double the portion of it, of Elijah be placed in him. He wanted to accept the baton. He wanted to go forward. He was eager for it. But he knew he couldn't do it alone. And I think in this day and age, we need more Elishas. We need more people that we're not trying to drag along and say, come on, please take the baton. We need people who are saying, please, can I take the baton? Please let me. I want to go on with the word at work of God. I want to be able to do what God has called me to do. I want to make a difference in this world. We need people like that. We need people, if we look at history, we see clearly that in the past, the church has often operated in human wisdom and power. We see it. And we see the devastation of that. And you know what? As a result of operating in our own limitations, we miss out on seeing the remarkable demonstration of God. And in the past, the church has done that and they've dropped the baton. There's a famous American preacher called A.W. Tozer. Some of you may have heard of him. And he commented that without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, 95% of what was happening in the early church would have stopped without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But today, he said that if the Spirit was removed from the church, 95% of what we were doing would go on unhindered. That's a challenge to us. We really need to seek the Lord for spiritual power in these days. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We need to ask God for an outpouring of his power and his glory. If we are to carry the baton, then we need more than crowds and we need more than money and we need more than buildings. We need God himself. It isn't about pride to ask God to fill you with his spirit and to use you for his glory. It is about survival. Because if we want to take a hold of the future and make a difference, then we need to be filled with God's spirit. And like Elisha, we need that spirit of faith and of obedience and of courage. And we need to pray that that would be placed within us. And you know, it is great to learn from those people of yesterday. It's great to hear those stories from the Bible because they encourage us and they help us to understand what God is like. 
But we need to remember that it, this is not just for yesterday. We're actually being asked to carry the baton today. And we need God today, not just the stories about him yesterday, not just what he did for someone else. We need his power at work in us today and to realize that Elijah's God and Elisha's God is our God. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. So in the coming weeks, we're going to hear stories. I think quite a few weeks, we're going to hear a lot of stories about Elisha. And honestly, you'll be overwhelmed at how God worked. But don't be overwhelmed, like just be overwhelmed and think, wow, wasn't God great? Think, wow, isn't God great? Isn't he great? And that God that did, you know, took the altar and burned it up, the God who provided um, food for a woman when there was famine and it just kept providing and providing, the God who raised the young boy from death, the God who parted the Jordan River, he's the same God today that will do that for us. Do you believe it? Do you believe this is our God that we're talking about? Now I'm sure that um, when you look at that poor USA coaches, how they must have felt as they, they saw those people drop the baton. You know, you train for all this time and then you drop the baton must be devastating. And there must be those hold, those coaches must hold their breath at each exchange zone as they're, you know, taking the baton and thinking, you know, holding their breath, thinking, are they going to drop it? Are they going to drop it? Hoping they don't, believing they've trained that they won't, but will they? So there's those hold your breath moments in the exchange zone. And you know, in that story of Elisha that I just read earlier, there's some of those moments. I just want to refer to a couple of them. There's firstly the fact that those other prophets, they're saying to Elisha, didn't you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? In other words, here Elisha has been with Elijah for a long time. He's been training up and he loves Elijah and he loves him as a leader and, so, and he's going to have him taken away from him. It would be very easy for him to, to become despondent and think, how am I going to do it if Elijah's not there? How is it going to be, how's it going to go on if he's not there? How will I feel? I won't have him to talk to. I won't have him to share with. I won't have him to pray with. And he could have become despondent and think, oh, I'm not going to go on. I won't have Elijah. And did you hear what Elisha said? He said, keep quiet. He didn't want those voices saying to him, oh, you know, what about this? And you've, we've got to realise, you know, if we're going to carry the baton and we're going to go forward and we're going to do what God's called us to do, then we have to quieten those voices. There's going to be people that will say to us, oh, come on, you know, if you do that, then this could happen. And there'll be these negative voices in our head. They'll try to talk you out of it. But you've got to quieten those voices and listen to the voice of God. You know, sometimes the enemy is in my head like this all the time. He never shuts up. He tries to tell me things about my health and my future and all these sorts of things that are negative and tries to bring me down. And I have to keep declaring the promises of God. I have to keep telling him to shut up and I have to keep saying God you are faithful Jesus you are the name above all names 
I have to declare the truth of the promises of God because it says in his word that his promises are our armor and protection. His faithful promises are our armor and protection. So we need to declare those. We need to never step back because we're afraid or the enemy tells us lies. We need to step forward and keep going with what God has given us and stay faithful no matter what. (laughs) Sometimes he just never shuts up. He doesn't let go but God is, is, is stronger. Thank you. He has the victory. We don't, we're not going for victory. We come from victory. And I believe that. And I stand on that truth here this morning. And I declare that he is faithful. And he has the victory in my life. And I will not step away from what God has. Elijah also said to him several times along the way, he said he went through these towns, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and then the Jordan River. And Elijah, each time Elijah said, oh, why don't you stay here? Why don't you stay here? Don't come with me. I've got to go on to this next place. You stay here. You know, it's easy for us to step back out of what God has for us and just sort of say, well, I'll just settle down here. Think about those four places. Those four places had great significance in the history of the Israelites. Gilgal was the place where the covenant was made. It was a place of new beginnings. And Bethel was a place of dreaming and seeing what God had into the future. Jericho, a place of great victory. And the Jordan was a place that parted where they went to take forward across to take the promised land. These had great significance. But you know, these places could also be a temptation because I was thinking about Gilgal and I was thinking, you know, we all love a new beginning. We all love a place where we can start, but the danger is, is that we sort of, you know, we, when it becomes a bit harder and we've got to take the beginning on to the next part, we think, oh, I can't be bothered with that. I'll just go and find another new beginning. And that's easier. That's more fun. That's more exciting. But God's saying, no, you keep going even after the new beginning. There's things to take on from that to the future. Or what about Bethel, the place of dreams? It's easy for God to give you a dream and you get excited about that. But when you actually have to come and do the hard work to put it into place, that's more difficult. So we sometimes step away from that. We don't want to do what God has called us to do. Or to fulfill all that, do the hard work that it takes to fulfill that dream. We have to get past the place of dreaming. Or Jericho, the victories of Jericho. It's easy. Jericho happened a while ago. And it's easy to live in the victories of yesterday and to think, oh, look what God did. He did this and he did that. But God is actually saying, I want you to live in the victory of today. This is our God yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, the Jordan was a barrier to the promised land. The waters had to part for them to walk through. And the Jordan can be a barrier for us. It means letting go of your self-life and taking over to the spirit, crossing over to the spirit life. And sometimes we think, no, I want what I want. I'm going to stay back here. 
and we miss out on the promised land. Don't be tempted by those sorts of things along the way and that could cause you to drop the baton in the exchange zone. So when Elijah and Elisha arrived at the Jordan River, because Elisha didn't give up, because he went with Elijah all the way, Elisha got to see the power of God in a way that was miraculous. And as Elijah struck the Jordan River and the waters, he saw, Elisha saw the power of God part the waters. And they didn't go over on soggy, you know, step into mud or sand sort of ground. They went over on dry ground. God makes a way for us. Believe that. You may not think, but he makes it perfectly if we trust him and go with him. And he will show you his hand if you're willing to stay faithful. Elisha got to see Elijah taken up in a whirlwind. I can't even imagine this. I, try, I looked up on the internet some people's drawings about the, the chariot of fire being taken in a whirlwind to heaven. It's impossible to represent. You know, there's all these different ideas about it. But can you, I can't even imagine that. A whirlwind of fire with chariots taken off to heaven. Elisha saw that seeing evidence of the power of God. And then when he'd gone, that mantle, that cloak was there and he took it. He took up the bat and he put it on and he went back to the Jordan River and here was the test. Had he received the power of God? And sure enough, he struck the Jordan River and the waters parted. The spirit of God was on him. And in him, and he crossed over and he ran with the baton for what God had for him. You know, if you stay faithful, you'll get to see the power of God in ways that you can't imagine. But if you choose the easy route, you'll miss out on God's best. You'll miss out on seeing the remarkable. So... He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the God of Elijah is still in power. He is moving in great ways to accomplish his will in the world. He still today feeds his children. He still moves mountains. He still answers prayer. We've got evidence of in our midst today. What a miracle as we see Reese and Mel standing here. Reese recovered and Mel and Reese now having a child. That's the power of God at work today. We've got living examples before us. We don't need to just rely on yesterday. He continues to work wonders that astound us because he, just as he was then, he is now. He is still amazing. And so if there's a problem, it's not with God. He is everything he says he is. He is all-powerful. The problem is not with God. The problem, I think, is that with the church, we need more Elishas. We need more people who are willing to stand up and say, I believe, I believe, and I'm willing to take a hold of this baton and believe God for the impossible. Are you up for it? Could you all stand as I conclude this morning? I want to say to you this morning that you and I are in the church of Jesus Christ in 2014 at a pivotal time in history. Look what is going on in the world around us. We are at a pivotal time. And we 
are a generation alive during an exchange zone. And the way we carry this baton in the exchange zone during this time is going to determine the future of the church. Let me say that again. The way we carry this baton during this exchange zone time is going to determine the future of the church. We are part of God's divine relay. Do you realise that? You are part of God's divine relay. The people have gone before, have passed it on. And now we are receiving it. We're part of it. And we're going to keep going and then pass it on to people who come after us. And this is our moment in history when we are holding the baton of faith. It's not about who's the biggest or the fastest or the best. It's all about running our race in the lane God has given us. And being ready to take a hold of what he has for us and keep running, keep persevering, keep enduring. And then when it's our turn to pass the baton, we've got to make sure we don't drop it in the exchange zone. That's what God's called us to do. Okay, so that fits perfectly because listen to what I'm going to read now. Therefore, listen, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Are you up for it? Are you ready to take the baton? And go forward and see God do the work he wants to do today just as he did yesterday and enable the work of God to be done tomorrow as we continue and pass it on. It means believing God is powerful. It means believing he is who he says he is. This is our God. Let us trust him. Let us go with him every step. Let us hold the baton to the end.